On today's episode, I interview Sam and Taz Dunton, who are members of the Million Dollar Trading Program and have built a successful electrical business on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Now, during their time with us, they've more than doubled their revenue and increased their profits significantly. They've built an impressive team and created a highly productive work culture. And they've built the business in a way that allows them to take time off for fun and vacations. Tune in as Taz and Sam talk through how they did it. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money, and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button, and let's get started. To the podcast. So Sam and Taz, welcome, guys. Really excited to hang out today. Thanks, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. This is cool. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, you're looking good too, guys. Uh, I was going back through your notes uh, when you, you joined the Million Dollar Trading Program, which is a little while ago, and it makes really uh, interesting reading. So I thought I'd just look back. Now, you guys were you're hitting less than 100K in revenue a month then, and your margins were pretty tight, sort of 20 to 25%, if I remember. And I think the team was you two, and you had a, an apprentice each and a, and a very part-time admin person, maybe about six hours a week. And you're both on the tools pretty much full on. And I know Phil did the, uh, you know, caught up with you guys initially. And uh, he's very kind. He wrote, wrote a few little notes and he said, oh, the guys probably have limited financial knowledge about what's happening with the numbers. Uh, they're struggling with their systems and generally like they're just really overworked and, and stuck. And the business is really relying on them and they feel in a bit of a hole. What I'd love to do is can you talk through why it was important for you to make some changes uh, you know, when you did. Yeah, totally. Um, some kind words there from Phil. I'm sure he probably didn't say it that way. Um, but yeah, the chaos and stress and just of everything, you know, both Sam and I were, you know, probably pretty good tradies working for uh, working for other companies. And then we thought, you know, hey, maybe we can do it better. And beyond the tools side of things, we, we probably smashed it. But um, yeah, I mean, we had no direction. Um, and Phil saying limited financial knowledge, we knew nothing. You've, you've got there, you know, margins are very tight. We wouldn't even have known what they were um, back then. And we were kind of flying blind, um, which is kind of why, um, you know, we needed to do something because what we were doing was was definitely, um, yeah, not structured and, and we, didn't, we didn't have a direction. And how was that affecting uh, you guys both business-wise and I guess, you know, more life-wise? Yeah, it was, it was chaos, like Taz said. That, that, that's the word. It was, you know, overlapping into our personal lives and, you know, it was just work, work, work. We were at the back of my shed there for a little while and I was, I was bringing work home every night. So I think getting out of our shed in, into a factory and then, and then reaching out to you guys with a direction and we had goals and targets and, um, yeah, it's a big move to uh, engage someone else to give us some advice was, was huge. For sure. So let's jump forward to where we are now. So can you tell us about how your business looks right now? You know, the changes you've seen uh, through working on the business. Yeah, totally. So back when we first joined, um, I've got, um, yeah, you know, we were doing around that sort of 60K for staff. We had admin sales, trading and an apprentice. Um, didn't know what our GP was. Um, we were probably doing 40% electrical work and maybe 60% solar, but all of that solar work would have been subcontracting work um, to other companies. And then, yeah, it was just kind of like you, you sort of, you didn't have any control. You were just going out to a job that someone else had priced for a set set rate. And, you know, you couldn't really control other than you going out and having a massive win and smashing the job. But, um, yeah, fast forward to now to 2023 and, 
Um, we're averaging 250 to 300,000 a month in revenue. Um, we've got 12 staff, which comprise of a general manager, ops, a sales team, office manager, accounts, marketing, three tradies and two apprentices. Um, obviously with that expansion, our GP um, is around that 30% now, but with a higher revenue mark. Um, our business is built up of electrical 5%, solar 70%, uh, batteries 10%, heat pumps 10%, and maintenance 10%, uh, 5%, sorry. Um, so yeah, massive changes from, from looking back in, um, yeah, sort of 2018, 2019 timeframe. How has it changed how you actually feel about the business and your, your you know, uh, experience of the business it's made it like way more positive like it's actually really enjoyable coming to work whereas before it was a bit of a daily grind um whereas now it's you know we've got better structure we've got things to look forward to um sam and i are in the process at the moment of, of doing our 12 month and five year visions um so you know we can make sure that on the day to day when i'm trying to make a decision is it getting us closer to our vision or getting further away and that kind of really sort of in a way steers the ship booking and blocking our annual holidays at the start of the year has been a massive thing for both sam and i like just giving us structure giving us things to look forward to um both of our partners are school teachers so school holidays um is the times when we go away uh with all the <laughs> with everyone else in the country so um but it gives us like small increments and you break it down you know most um school terms are anywhere from you know nine to eleven weeks so we do it in nine to 11 week periods where we're like, hey, at the end of this, we get a holiday. At the end of this, we get a holiday. So you're kind of doing um, not big, long marathons. You're just doing short sprints um, and then you get a break, which I think is huge for, for any business owner to, to look forward to something at the end. Yeah, protecting your energy and looking after yourself is a massive part of uh, business success. And when you're head down, bum up all the time, it's it's actually pretty tough to do that, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's super taxing. Um, like you, you need to have those breaks. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. Um, you'll end up definitely burnt out. 100%. It's a big challenge for a lot of business owners. So, guys, you've made some great progress and, and some awesome changes, and you're actually really, really good at some things. Uh, so I thought what we could do is actually focus on a few of those those areas that you've really nailed because I think that would make a huge difference and it would be really worthwhile for our listeners to actually – get some of the gold that you've learned uh, through those, you know, through those learnings. First thing I'd love to look at is you've made some really big gains in revenue. Like you've gone from you know, 60 odd to 250, 300, which is a, which is a huge change. So what have been the drivers of that revenue growth from your perspective? Yeah, totally. So there's, there's probably four parts to it that I've kind of written down and there's probably other parts of it as well, but um, we've got marketing, um, our sales team, regular meetings, and then actually learning the numbers. Um, so if I delve into it a little bit more, you've got the marketing. So just sort of showing that you're a real company and more brand awareness, I think is huge. Um, you know, you don't need to advertise on the radio, but actually having a social presence where people are seeing it, people are seeing you, the brand, the, the logo, all that kind of stuff is huge. Um, every year we do a footy tipping comp and it's just, we just thought, you know, we'd get, you know, 50 or 60 people in it. Um, I think there's about 250 people in it at the moment. We do weekly prizes, all that sort of stuff. So it's completely separate to the business that we're running. It's just sort of a fun little thing that both Sam and I are, are passionate about footy. Um, and that's AFL for anyone, depending on where you're listening from. Um, 
but yeah, it's just something that resonates with with all of our um, you know followers and stuff, and especially on where we're based. Um, the next part is the, is the sales team. So we'll touch on it a bit later, but um, yeah, we pre-qualify our customers as much as they do to us. Um, we redid our whole sales process based around this um, sort of premise that we had um, and saw instant improvements, you know, sort of 10 to 20% jump in our conversion rate. So when your conversion rate's higher, it's quoting less work and winning more jobs, which gives the sales team, you know, more flexibility to follow up more prospects and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, the regular meeting side of things is just, you know, have an agenda set um, and everyone talks about and has input in that particular agenda. So it's helped massively because, you know, we're all doing different parts of the business to try and make it all head towards that common goal of our vision. Um, so it's really important that we all catch up regularly um, you know, not having four, five, six hour meetings once a week to try and smash everything out. It's, you know, having those smaller meetings that are, are more, you know, agenda and, and more focus pointed. Um, and then, yeah, obviously just learning the numbers. That's, that's like, that's probably the, the hidden nugget right there is, is learning the numbers because once you learn what your costs are and you put your margin on top, you know, that's, that's where you're going to find the gold because the clients that you can get those higher margins on, that's kind of, that's your target audience right there. And if you can back cost a job and work out that, Hey, this job is working out at 40%, but this one over here is 20%. Why would you chase more 20% when you can chase more 40? So just learning the numbers and, and having those, um, you know, levers that you can pull is just huge. I'll just jump in on, uh, I'll expand on probably, just employing the right staff. We have got an amazing team and, and adopting that team approach where we've got, you know, it's the whole process. It's not just Tazari. And we really put the time and effort into the guys to encourage them to engage with customers, learn from the customers, you know, get to know them. And it really helps with that, that um, referral work. And we've got a real pride in our quality. The boys are stoked to show us some photos. We, we drone every shot. And there's this really healthy competition of, of who can get the best photos. So I think that's helped kind of elevate us to be the sort of sole company of choice. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that that marketing stuff as well. The team is massive and, and we should dig into that some more because that's definitely a secret weapon for you guys. Uh, but in terms of the marketing you do, can you talk a little bit more specifically about what you've done uh, I know you do some cool stuff with video and social media. So what are you know a couple of things you've found that have really worked well for you there? Yeah, so like the marketing content, like with with obviously our industry, where we have to take hundreds of photos of every job just for the legality side of things. So for us, we kind of saw it as a, as a golden opportunity. We've got our job management software where all of those jobs get, all those photos get stored. So we just gave our marketing guy access to all of those photos. And then all of a sudden he was like, wow, this is amazing. I've got this private little treasure chest of all these awesome photos that he can use for marketing content. It gives him, you know, he's got all the quote data and the system performance stuff in there. So he can make all these little um, case studies uh, without having to sort of engage too much with us and take our time away. So that's been really good. Um, the other thing was that Sam mentioned before is we, we bought a couple of drones. So um, the drones going in the cars, like the, they're so cheap to buy. Like you're talking around a thousand dollars to buy this bit of kit that is just incredible for your marketing content. Um, and you know, it's safe. 
because you don't need to have edge protection. So it, it gets around all those locality side of things. And, and um, yeah, when you, I mean, when you send a customer a photo or a customer sees a photo on your socials of an aerial shot of their property, no one ever looks at their house from 30 metres up in the air straight down. You send them these photos and they're like, oh, that's really cool. Like I didn't even know what my house looked like from above. So straight away they're getting this wow factor um, as well as people that, you know, showing someone a photo of a solar panel, they're like, oh, cool, it's a solar panel or, or that's an inverter. But showing someone a, a drone shot from above when, you know, they've spent $100,000 on landscaping and you're there to take a photo of a solar panel and they're not even looking at the solar panel. They go, oh, heavens, my garden look. And you're like, hey, whatever makes you tote, whatever makes you float. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's been really cool from, from that perspective. Um, you know, our marketing guy, um, Jared, he, He's not full-time, so he probably does anywhere between 8 to 16 hours a week. So, like, for anyone listening, you don't need to have someone on full-time. There's heaps of companies out there. It's really easy to do. They just need the content. Um, so, fr from our perspective, is the the best thing we ever did was engage in, in someone to do the marketing because I, I was never going to do it, and I would have half-assed half it, and, and Sam is most definitely not a tech guru. So, um, yeah, not his forte either. The idea was to upgrade the website, push people through our social media to go to our website, and it's all it's all sort of linked. But I think the overriding thing is is brand awareness, and and that's really worked in the last couple of years for sure. Yeah. So what I'd love to know from you guys is, you know, what would be your advice to other business owners who really want to grow their revenue, but they're actually feeling a bit stuck? Yeah, so I kind of definitely touched on this a little bit before, but the biggest thing is knowing your numbers. You've got to start back costing your jobs, work out which jobs are the, the more profitable ones, and then come up with a 12, 24, and a 36-month uh, plan to what your business looks like now versus what you want it to look like. And then all of a sudden, like I said, those decisions that you start making um, will get you closer to that goal. So it, 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 in terms, when you break it down like that, it's it's super simple. I know it's a daunting thing to go, oh, hey, I'm on 50 grand now. I want to get to 200 in three years. How do I do that? Um, the answer is with a lot of hard work. But once you get the, the ball rolling, it's it's pretty hard to stop it. I reckon play, play to your strengths too. Don't try and be someone you're not. So go for that team approach. Engage a admin lady that's, amazing on the phone and takes those phone calls engage a marketing person to do what they're good at and really try and try and plan your default diary so you can be as productive and as efficient as you can i think is where we found for us being the two of us it helps but you know less is more yeah that, that's massive i think one of the big challenges for you know for for business owners and the trades and, and construction is just not enough time to actually do any marketing and focus on growth uh, and so if you don't have time, we've got a couple of options. You can stop doing something and, you know, do it yourself or you can hire someone to help you do it and, and leverage. And I think that's something that that you guys have done really well, like getting the marketing help, because otherwise it, it probably wouldn't happen. No, no, definitely not. And and again, like if you're pricing work, factor it in. If you need to factor $50 into a quote to get some marketing content or anything like that, like it's not hard to actually factor it in. Then it's then it's costed like it's not like it's coming out of your pocket if you're going hey every fifth job i do i want to do a case study on it. it's a case study from a marketing perspective is going to cost me 200 bucks put that 200 on that job and then it's job costed so it's just about being aware of that kind of stuff or if the job's a little tight 
don't don't do a case study on that one. Let's look at uh, profitability. So you've done some some great work there. What's helped you? What have been the key things you've done to improve profitability? Um, definitely knowing what a GP was was the uh, was the first starting point for us. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you learn what your gross profit margin and your gross profit is, and how to actually find out how you can adjust it, that's probably the biggest thing. So you know, then you can actually price for it. Um, and then when your jobs are finished, you've got all your raw figures, you can actually back cost and work out how close and how far away you were. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in those meetings, you advise your sales staff and, and the rest of the team, you be completely vulnerable as a director um, and you tell them how they did and how they didn't do so that next time a job pops up and they're like, oh, hey, that was like job A, this is job B, let's price it like job A's back costing. And then all of a sudden that job then becomes higher or more profitable. Yeah, and material ordering for us as well. You know, don't become the bank if you need the materials in two weeks time. We're generally booked sort of three months in advance. So we don't take the materials until two weeks before the job is ready to go so that we don't have to hold stock. We don't have to be the bank. Um, you know, we've got good terms with our creditors, all that kind of little things helps with cash flow, which obviously keeps the profit in the business um, rather than out on the factory floor. Um, I think as well, when you know your numbers, you can actually like, it helps with your marketing. It helps with your target market. It helps on the type of jobs that are more profitable. And it gives you that, that sense of direction you mightn't have had if you, you didn't know your numbers or you might be doing work that's not that profitable. So it, it cancels that type of work and it could open some diversification up. So I think... It is absolutely gold knowing your numbers and, and what that can, can give you going forward. The thing that we find, uh, and I'm sure you found it too, is when you actually start looking at, you actually look at something and you understand how it works, you automatically start to make changes. It's kind of weird. It's like you can see if a particular type of job is leading to a lot of rework or there's a lot of extra trips or you know they're difficult clients who muck you around. You, you actually, then you can make some decisions about well, how am I going to change, you know, can I change that project the way we do it or can I just not do it? Uh, and so that's the thing. It's not not just knowing them, but you, you start to make a bunch of important decisions off the back of that uh, information, which really does change the profitability of your business, right? Huge. What's the reporting rhythm you have for financials in your business? Like you've got your back costing, but what else do you do on a, on a monthly basis to stay on top of things? We have our deliverables. So once a week um, we sit down, it was on a Monday, but we found uh, Mondays were just too hectic after the weekend, sort of sifting through emails, all that kind of stuff. So we, we've moved it to a Tuesday. So um, it's where we all report. So the sales team, operations um, and our admin staff, we all um, report on you know invoices sent, jobs won, um, jobs quoted, total dollar value, of those quotes, we look at conversion rates um, and we track and track and sort of measure it so we can sort of forecast with jobs that have been sold that if we're not selling heaps of jobs, we know that, you know, there's going to be a, you know, that's a leading indicator for us to be like, well, hang on, we've got no work in the pipeline. Um, and, you know, potentially if we're winning too much work, it's like, well, hang on a second, is our pricing too low? So all of a sudden you can see if on a weekly basis, if you're selling too many jobs at whatever margin you can look back and you can go, well, hang on a second, are we, are we pricing ourselves out of work here or all those kinds of things. Um, from an admin perspective, we want to know, you know, whether we're getting the review use um, or reviews through Google. 
um, and all those kind of, like you know a job packs being started and finished, all those kinds of things. So it's not it, it sounds like that's a lot of work, but each person only really talks for about five to ten minutes. Um, operations refer uh, talk about all the back costing. So each week, you know, say you complete four jobs, you can back cost those four jobs. It's easy to back cost four jobs. It's hard to back cost two hundred jobs at the end of the month. So you can see all these sorts of things. So weekly is manageable, monthly is not so manageable. I think it also helps form your, your default diary too. You, you've sort of got, you know, you've got to put time slots in to actually put the information in because you don't want to look like a full and reporting day and you're like, haven't done your back costing or you haven't put your numbers in. And it is like, it's really cool to get a quick snapshot of, of how the business is going rather than looking into each thing and diving into it. And it's, I think just the catch up, you know, you have a bit of a chat, how's the weekend, how's it looking? It's good to have everyone be on the same page because the daily grind can get can get pretty intense. So it's yeah, it works really well. Yeah, this is this is gold, the actual weekly cadence of what you do because if you leave something well, let's be honest, most business owners don't even do this stuff monthly. In fact, honestly they're lucky to do a P and L every month. And therefore, the, the mistakes get repeated month after month. But when you do this, your learning cycle is so quick that you, you know, if it sucks, it's not going to suck for long. And if it's winning, you can actually see what's winning and compound that win, which is, uh, that's how you actually make profit every week, which is what you want to do. Uh, so I think that's, uh, that's killer. Let's, um, let's switch things up, guys, and talk about culture, because culture is, uh, is king. Uh, and I think you've done a great job focusing on this. So First off, I'd love to know why have you actually focused on culture so much? It's um, I don't think it's important. Like, you know, we sort of treat our guys like they're mates, they're humans first before you know they're they work colleagues. So I think if you put general, you engage and you show general care, and it they become they want to come to work. Like all the guys, they love it, and not just because we're good bosses, but we actually care. And I think if you can portray that, everyone feels important. And it, it just, it flows. We spend 40 hours a week with your colleagues. So you want to get along with them. You want to know what makes them tick and what things make them happy, what things make them sad. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you, like you are mates. Um, so we've done a lot of things to sort of create that. Um, so we do a lot of fun days. Um, every quarter we do a fun day where each member of the team, um, you know, will choose an activity to do. Some good, some not so good. Can confirm we have done a dancing lesson before. Um, so, you know, you've got nine fully grown adults at the time and uh, and our admin lady who had organised it and we had no idea about it. So, like, fun things that put you outside your comfort zone uh, is really cool. You know, can't, full disclaimer, we had had a few beers beforehand, which made, it, made us all a little bit loose and a little bit limber, but... Um, um and then other things is like training so i i I have read somewhere um that you know spending one percent of someone's wage per year on training them is is recommended i mean certainly you wouldn't go any less than that um but it actually it's investing in them because in turn then they're obviously going to use that skill set to reinvest into you um and it's just been huge for productivity when they go to work and they can have a laugh with each other, like, you know, we had a customer once before came out at the end of the day and just said, 
geez, listening to you guys inside the house, you're all talking around on the roof, having a laugh with each other. He's like, it's been really refreshing. Like, are you guys all mates? And we're just like, no, we just work together. Um, so that kind of thing is really cool. Um, probably one of the other things that's been awesome is we've had a couple of company dinners. Um, and this is not just like management staff or whatever. It's everyone and their partners and their kids. And we all get around everyone so that, if your partner and your kids and your family understand how you get along with your workers and your work colleagues, it makes it so much easier when you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to be half an hour home late. Job's gone out a little bit, but we've got to get it done. I'm working with Ryan, working with them. They can resonate with who you're working with and why you're doing it because of, you know, they understand the bigger picture, um, which has been huge for us. Yeah, I love that. So, I'd love to dig into some of the other things that you've done to build culture because uh, the, the social stuff is very important, but there's, there's other stuff that um, you know, I think you have to get right as well. And if you just do the social stuff, it probably doesn't get as much value as if you do the, this kind of more basic stuff and do the social stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, we do, um, yeah, like I said, we've got the fun days, we do staff training, the dinners, um, we've got our core values. Probably one of the coolest things that we actually have implemented is we do a Monday toolbox or a Monday pre-start. So every Monday we get all the boys in, start of the start of the week. We go through, you know, for us we're working outside, so we go through the weather so that the boys can start to plan their weeks around the jobs that they're doing. We give them all the jobs that they're going to be doing for the whole week. So we're sort of in a really weird way, we're showing them the front cover of the jigsaw box and we're saying, right, here's all the pieces go and build this. Um, so they can actually start to have a bit more onus on them, which I think has been really cool for Sam and I, because they're not like, Oh, Hey, we didn't get this done because it was raining. And it's like, well, did you not look on Monday that it was going to be raining on Thursday and you could have done all that before. So it can't, we're giving them the tools and it's really easy because for one, I actually don't have to make the pre-start. My admin lady does it. She writes it all out for us. And gives it to us because she's happy to do it. Obviously, one of her roles and responsibilities. But it's awesome because it's done. And then all we do is we stand up in the morning and we give the boys these awesome tools that they can plan their week. Um, at this stage, we also ask them, you know, have you got have they got any appointments that week? So we know if we're going to have any shortfall. Um, again, we ask them if they've got any input. Last week, what went wrong? What went well? So they feel like they've actually got a voice. And we're actually listening to them. And a lot of the times they've got really good ideas. It's usually the people that don't speak up much that have the best ideas because they're too shy that the idea is not good enough or we're not going to value it, but they're the ones that we want. So we've kind of created this platform where they actually have a voice and they're not shy and they will actually speak up, which has been really cool for Sam and I because we're getting genuine feedback. Yeah, it's giving um, it's sort of a form of leadership that that – Oh, you give them some power and they, they feel like they've got leadership and ownership on that job and it's huge. Like Taz said, they, you know, they really want to get it done looking amazing on time and it's, yeah, it's a, a, a really important part of that culture of giving them responsibility and not micromanaging. This is a huge thing, isn't it? Because if, if you, uh, you mean, you, if you want to grow your business, you can't control everything. If you need to control everything, it's difficult to grow. Uh, if you have to micromanage everything. So the the way to get through that is to actually give you guys, guys and girls, the opportunity to take their initiative and show some leadership. And yeah, they are going to make some mistakes sometimes. Uh, 
But that's better than you having to hold their hand forever because if you don't give them the opportunity to take leadership role, then eventually they just won't even try. Uh, and that's where a lot of business owners get super frustrated because they've actually created a bunch of people who have been trained not to show initiative because we've never really given them the opportunity. So I think that that is a massive uh, a massive part of the culture piece is actually creating that environment where they can actually take ownership and, and, and learn and develop. Uh, so I think that's great, you know, a great, um, a great thing you've done there for them. Solar systems, let's get into that. You do a lot of solar installations, obviously, and, and solar can be quite, you know, complex to sell at times. It's not necessarily something that people have to have. Uh, it's not like, you know, if your hot water cylinder blows up, it has to be replaced. Uh, it's more of a, uh, what's the, yeah, it's a, it's a discretionary purchase for a lot of people. And you've done a bunch of work around your marketing, your sales process. So can you tell us the problem that you were having initially with, with sales? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the solar industry tends to get quite a bad rap. There's lots of companies out there um, that just start up a sales company. To, to sell solar as an actual company, you need no training, no skills, no nothing. You don't need to have a license. You don't need to be trained. You just need to have some schmuck on the end of the phone that's prepared to purchase something off you. Um, and then you need to find someone that will do the installs, which we spoke about earlier about us doing. Most people will do installations to sort of start out their business and, and these sales companies definitely prey uh, on those kinds of people. But it forces you to have really tight margins because you've got really little overhead. So the the big issue is is these sales companies. They've got zero overhead, zero experience, and we've kind of got to come up against them. So trying to set ourselves apart from them and not compete with them um, is probably that that golden little nugget of if someone's prepared to pay this much and go with these people, you really have to let them do it. And they'll come back to you because the system won't be installed correctly. They'll have maintenance issues, all that kind of stuff. But you, there's no point dropping your margin um, to try and get a client in the door that's really not going to appreciate your service. Um, so for us, it's been, yeah, the, the priced buyers and the sales companies is, is the real issue. Like if you go into Google and you type in Fronius, which is a huge inverter manufacturer, the first thing that pops up is not Fronius. It's all the sales companies that have SEOs and AdWords that sell Fronius. So it's such a saturated market to to actually try and do any form of you know um, Google marketing and all that kind of stuff as well. So it really is a minefield. We we really took it as our opportunity, and our business has grown based on <laughs> these sales companies doing it so poorly. And this this is an important point because uh, you know when you when you started doing this, you were not selling solar systems; you were just installing them. Uh, on the on behalf of the, the companies, and uh, if anyone sort of thinks that price is everything in sales, well, you're you've grown your revenue massively, and you're more expensive than other people because you do a better job, and now you actually sell them and install them. Uh, so it's about finding the right clients and the people who understand the value proposition that you that you bring. So what what are some of the steps that you've done to actually make that a success? Yeah, so like late last year, early this year, I was really sort of looking at our conversion rate 
um, after having a few chats with Phil and really just thought that we were probably missing something and we just needed to pull a certain lever and I wasn't sure which lever it was. Um, so we did a bit of a deep dive into it and what I sort of came out with was pre pre-qualifying our clients before we actually send them a quote. So we were quoting any and everyone. If you called, you were getting a quote. Didn't matter what you know what your budget was, anything like that. We didn't care. We'll just we'll quote you, and we'll spend three months trying to chase you up when we're too expensive. So what we kind of did is we sort of reverse engineered it and just sort of were like, well, hey, we're gonna pre vet you as much as you're pre vetting us. So I kind of broke it down and sort of came up with four four magic questions. Um, which is kind of four and a half if I'm being technical. Um, and then that turned into um, our sale, our sales triage call. So uh, when someone calls up, um, we don't actually cold call anyone. All of our leads come through naturally from um, socials and referrals. So, yeah, I mean, the four magic questions are, you know, why do you want solar? What specifically is the purpose of solar for you? So that's the two-part question. Um, and it's really important to pause, let them answer, take notes. Um, how long have you been considering solar? So this is telling you so much information here and they're going to go, oh, oh, geez, they're going to be caught really off guard because you're asking them these confronting questions. Um, and then once they get through telling you they've been thinking about it for three years, you go, why now? Uh, uh, and, and you watch them fumble and they actually give you the information because they're so caught off guard. Um, and then the last question is why Dunton Group? Oh, my friend down the road got a job done by you guys and was absolutely blown away and won't shut up about how good you guys are. So I figured I had to call you. That way you're, you've you got the upper hand from a positioning point of view. Um, and then if you if you think that you're gonna it's going to work between the two of you, um, a bit of another follow-up question is, is, you know, do you have a budget for this job? So straight away, if you know this person is 100% ready to buy solar, they're ready to buy it now, and they've got the budget for you, then we will give them a quote. If they turn around and go, oh, yeah, I want to spend $5,000 and every all the information they've given you says that they're going to need to spend ten, then we politely tell them, hey, look, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to make this work. And it's a really hard thing to do when – we need leads, we need jobs to quote, but you'll end up spending three months trying to chase this person down who's never going to buy from you anyway. So you're better off cutting your losses now, spending more time nurturing someone that is actually ready to buy. It's amazing. And I think people underestimate how much wasted time there is quoting or putting bids out and then following up people who actually aren't buyers. Uh, and they, they pretend they're buyers. In fact, in their own mind, they're convinced they are a buyer, but they're not. You, you, you'll find people really try and skate and dance around the questions as well because they know that you're about to tell them they're not going to get a quote from you, but they really want a quote. So you really have to stick to your guns. And you can see through someone that's caught off guard and, and, and you know they're not going to buy from you, um, which is hard. And, and a lot of people be like, oh, I'm ready to buy in six months. It's like, cool, well, we're booked out three months, so call us back in three months. They're like, oh, 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 but you, you can't just send me a quote. And it's like, well, you're not ready to buy. You get one chance at a sales pitch. Um, don't waste it. It's uh, it's definitely a good learning, that one. Let's talk mindset because uh, I think that's a huge part of success here. So what mindset changes have you had to make to achieve the success that you had? Definitely 100% um, being vulnerable. 
it's it's a hundred percent. If you if you you're expecting guys, your staff, to build a jigsaw puzzle without showing them the front of the box, like what hope have they got? Um, so it's really important for us to, to be vulnerable, tell them our targets, tell them our goals, tell them our vision so that we can all collectively work in, in going in the same direction. So, um, you know, we, as business owners, we tend to, you know, have a cheeky little book that's a black book and you keep all your secrets in there, but it doesn't work. Like it's so old school that you just need to be vulnerable to, to be able to like, let your staff, your staff have the best ideas, hear them out. And, you need to give them, you need, you need to be vulnerable to let them actually give you these ideas. So that was one thing for us. And the other thing as well is just worry about what you can control, the things you can't, or the things you, the things you can't control will control you. Um, so really important lesson um, that I've learned that, yeah, you know, you can't control the weather, we work outside. So it's really important to just focus on the things you can. When we first joined the program, we got asked a lot at, at boot camps and in, in webinars was, you know, what's your five-year vision? What's your three-year vision? What are your goals? And we just really didn't have those goals. We were just kind of going week by week, day by day. And I think once we actually worked out where we wanted to get to, like Taz said, we could reverse engineer it and right, let's start with the marketing and then let's look at what jobs are actually profitable and what we enjoy and what we're good at. And it just really sets... Like, yeah, reverse engineering helps you go forward. Well, it's it's starting with the end in mind and then you can actually sketch out how the structure of the business needs to look and how much revenue you need to do and how much team you need. It's massive because it's like building a house, isn't it? And if you don't have a plan, I mean, who would build a house without a plan? I mean, probably some people would try, but it'd be like this Frankenstein monster that grows, you know, like weird arms and legs. Uh, well, that's like what most businesses are like too. They kind of just are cobbled together and, they're you know, they're quite unwieldy. Uh, so if you start with the end line and build on that structure, and that that can change as well, can't it? That's fine, uh, as long as you you know continue to relook at that vision. So I think that's um that's really insightful. I love that. I think definitely doing your vision though as well with your team is is an really important thing as well. Like your management team, if you sit down and go, hey, this is my vision. What's Sam's vision? What's their vision? And and then all of a sudden, like you said, you do create this Frankenstein monster, but you're all having input into it. And then at the end of it, you, you get this, you know, really cool picture of what each of you want. And in this session that you do with your staff, you actually get uh, a lot out of it because you're like, oh, hey, my sales guy, his driver isn't money. It's not actually making sales. He wants to do operations or all these weird and wonderful things that you just wouldn't have got if you didn't give them the platform to actually speak about it and, and actually see what their vision um, for the businesses as well and showing people future growth actually keeps people around as well which is probably another little hidden gem yeah massive massive i love that so how important is getting uh outside help been in your business success and, and what have you valued most from the help that you've received it's been huge um both sam and i great tradies um but unfortunately working in the office your, your tradie background helps you for quoting and that's about it. So coming off the tools for me was was massive. I, I was 100% a fish out of water. I, I really struggled with it at the start. I just felt like I was chasing shiny objects left, right and centre. So I, I really needed structure. Um, so seeking outside help in the form of a business coach for us um, was probably the best thing ever. Having, having a sounding board and someone that's going to give you really good advice on kind of you know 
what the correct action to take is or, or not even telling you what the correct action to take is just actually hearing you and it gets you starting to think and then all of a sudden when you start thinking can be a scary thought sometimes but generally you'll get to the right outcome um so for, from that perspective like you know you with your apprenticeship you do a four-year apprenticeship so the way i kind of looked at it was like hey i've done my apprenticeship now i need to do an apprenticeship in how to run a business um and you know we're four years in and i <laughs> i wouldn't change anything for the world and i and i should sure, sure, sure as hell ain't going anywhere now because i'm getting so much out of it um which is so incredible um the other thing as well is is audible um definitely get an audible subscription um ebooks are incredible for tradies because we spend so much time on the road in traffic and driving and all that kind of stuff and you're generally in the car and if you can learn one or two things a day it's going to help massively um i myself love mowing the lawns i know that might sound weird for some people but i find it very therapeutic and calming so i put i listen to my audible when I'm mowing the lawns because I take it all in. It's like mowing the lawns is such a mundane task. But if you can actually just focus on the podcast or the, you know, the audible book that you're listening to, it just, it sinks in for me personally. I'm not much of a reader myself, but listening to, um, you know, eBooks and, and podcasts, all that kind of stuff has been a huge thing for me um, and my growth in business. And I do the same all the time. Um. Yeah, I think being holding held to account too, committing to putting your your numbers in and having those weekly meetings and going to the boot camps and and meeting and listening on webinars to other businesses that are where you are and or up there where you want to get to. I think the power of educating and giving some knowledge actually makes you reflect on where you've come and then seeing where you want to get to from some of the, the high-achieving businesses. It's awesome, guys. Hey, this has been amazing. I uh, really appreciate the gold nuggets you've shared, and uh, I think you should you know, definitely look back and give yourselves a, a big pat on the back because I think it's easy in business to always focus on what's next. Uh, I know I do that, uh, and, and looking back and reflecting on how far you've come, what the gain is is super important rather than just uh, focusing uh, on, on what you want to achieve moving forward as well. So uh, great work. Keep up the surfing as well. Uh, these guys are weapons. Thank you, Heath, for having us, and thanks everyone for uh, listening to our story. It's been uh, it's been awesome. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Profitable Trady podcast. <laughs>